Wolf and Luke. We could create a whole world in the mind of the listener simply by using sound effects. Ron Wolfley. Thud, 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 thud. <laughs> Boomerang. Boom. Luke Lipinski. Huh. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, hour number two of the show, live from the Auction Community Studios. It is Wolf and Luke, Kevin Ray, in for Wolf today. And, uh, K-Ray, you have... You have good timing being in here this week with um, the Suns all of a sudden front and center, not just for what they're doing on the court, but uh, but with ownership and everything that happened yesterday. However, <laughs> the game last night, and just, I guess this is good timing. It's at least good timing for me to have you in here so I can ask you about some of this. Um, if you missed it watching the game last night, there was, I, I don't even want to say an incident, but, but DeAndre Ayton and Monty Williams were seen on the sidelines during a timeout, yelling at each other, gesturing at each other, whatever. Uh, and it was, I, I watched it a few times, and I'll be honest, like the second and third times I watched it, I was kind of more so watching the teammates to see, like, are they reacting like, oh, here we go again? Right. Are they uncomfortable? Uh, you know, at one point, Bismack, being Bismack, steps in. He's like clapping his hands, like, all right, guys, let's go. Like, Ever the dipple, Matt. Yeah, he's like, I can, I can solve any of these. And Booker kind of reached over to pat Monty on the shoulder, it looked like. I, I don't know. It wasn't the best scene, but... This is where I am on this. Coaches and players yell at each other. That's sports. Um, you know, when the when the Kyler and Cliff stuff happened on Thursday night football, my initial reaction was, okay, that's just sports. Maybe maybe Kyler doesn't need to show up as coach on national TV, considering what's going on. I don't think DA was showing up, Monty, last night. Uh, you know, when the Kyler and DeAndre Hopkins stuff happened, I was like, big deal. That's two teammates yelling at each other. Uh, that definitely happens. There's footage of DA kind of yelling at Mikel Bridges on the court last night. I don't care. Those two are obviously good friends. I am starting to get a little nervous, though, that there's something with D.A. and Monty Williams that isn't, like, unresolvable. But I find myself wondering, K. Ray, like, is D.A. going to be on this team five years from now? I know some people are asking, is he going to be on this team five months from now? I don't know. I I obviously don't know the answer. On the surface, I would just say, okay, this is a coach and a player getting into it. D.A. had 30 points last night. You know, D.A. had a really good game. Yeah. but And Monty's the sort of coach that will work it out with a player. But... It does feel like there's just something been dragging on since the playoffs last year, and I hope I'm wrong. It, yeah, it, look, it, it's the old something, nothing, or everything. Um, and, and for me, and I talked to a couple folks after the game last night. Um, to me, it's something that is nothing. And, and by I that, would take that. If it, that's it, I'll, I'll 100% take that. Yeah, and and for many of the reasons that you just pointed out, it, it's the heat of competition, but. I was saying this during the off season when there was still so much like, ooh, what's going to happen? You know, especially when we got to training camp and DA made the comments like, I would, you know, I haven't talked to Coach Mont. Yeah, and I was like, what? DA grew up in a very chill atmosphere. <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he's um, a pretty chill guy, right? And that's his upbringing. You know that that's not a criticism that we were all brought up differently. How much do you think Sean Miller ever yelled at DeAndre Aiden for the one season? And I, and I say one season. Nine months he was yeah. on campus. I mean, in college, knowing how good of a player DA is, specifically in college, you wouldn't dare. Right. You just you wouldn't. Yeah, very few coaches. I don't. I, very few is probably not the right phrase um, because we've seen Calipari. We, we had Tom Izzo on that clip earlier. We, we've seen Tom Izzo Those guys rip yeah. it. Um, but... 
DA did not grow up in, in an environment where people communicated like that. So he's learning a lot about professional sports. He's still, he's still got so much to learn. And I, I chose to view it as this is an opportunity for him to understand, like, yes, I'm upset with you. It's like a parent. I mean, I've raised my voice with my, my own children, but it's because I love them. But it's, it also offers the opportunity to provide direction and give them communication so that, you know, so that they understand it and grow from it. And I think a DA pointed this out after the game. I was like, yeah, I, I think he and Monty are getting to a position where DA can raise his voice a little bit. Monty's not going to take it personally. You know, he may snap back at the moment, but then it, it affords them the opportunity to talk about it afterwards. And you and I and Maloney were talking about it before the show. Think about the number of times Greg Popovich lit into Tony Parker, lit into Tim Duncan, lit into Manu Ginobili. Oh, I don't know. They're all in a Hall of Fame. Yeah. They won a few championships together. And Monty Williams saw it. Winning isn't always clean and pretty. And we all want to believe that, you know, gosh, everybody's supposed to get along. How can they win if they don't get along? It happens every day in, in, in many work environments, certainly in many families. I think what it is is last year the Suns team won 64 games, and until the playoffs, it looked like they do all get along better than most teams. And so you're right. This, like, this is what this is either going to be the evolution of DeAndre Ayton. We're getting to this point where it's like, okay, you know what? He's not afraid to 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 yell back at Monty Williams, and Monty's not afraid to to yell at him. And to a certain extent, that's healthy because if you have this like uh, DA messed up, okay, I, I can't say anything to DA because it'll hurt his feelings. Or you know, I'll say something to DA and he'll internalize it. He won't say anything back, right? I mean, you got to be in tune with with how your your players are different as people. So if it is that. That's what this would look like. And that is the next step in the evolution for the Suns is DeAndre Ayton. Again, he had 30 points last night. So it's either that or it feels there's just a lot of little things. That it, okay, it was the end of the, the playoff series last year. And then it was Monty Williams just saying it's internal. And then it was the Suns not giving DA a max deal. And then it was the Pacers basically forcing their hand. And, you know, I, I, I again, it's not like I think he's going to get traded in three and a half weeks. I know a lot of people are looking at January 15th. He might. I don't think he's going to. I, I think you ultimately, I hope he isn't because you're never going to get value for him. Right. Your, your best chance is to get him to hit another level. And maybe that's what that was last night. But if it isn't, that's like the fifth time where it's kind of like, is there something up with DA? Is it something, you know, is this maybe not as rosy as it looks? You just don't typically see it with a guy you just paid all that money to. He's not typically that upset or the coach isn't typically that upset. But I hear what you're saying. It almost felt like everybody was playing too nice together last year. And at a certain point, you'll get knocked out of the playoffs. Well, and look, going back to what you said and, and taking that phrase, this, this team had such a vibe. You know, because always smiling and laughing and just clearly loved being around one another. And, and, you know, D.A. being welcome into the Twins Club. So it's a triplets now. You can throw campaign in there and make them the, you know, quadruplets. (laughs) Um, But because of that, you know, if there's any kind of like, oh, ripples, then you add that to the playoff loss. Losing at home in Game 7, getting embarrassed, the the little blow-up there in Game 7 between Monty and DeAndre. So people are, I think, until 
we get to the postseason and see some That's the thing. There's taste so, so much people, unknown until we get to the People are going to keep wanting, oh, see, they did this last year. Yeah. You know, the last season, and this is what happened. It, it doesn't always work that way. And beyond just being a coach, Monty Williams is a leader and teacher, teacher of men. And I think that's what that's what he really more so than anybody has been doing with DeAndre Ayton, Um, trying to teach him, look, this this I'm doing this because I'm trying to help you grow into the potential player you can be. You're already a really good player, but you can be great. But this is what greatness takes. And greatness takes, I mean, Phil Jackson snapped at Michael Jordan more than a few times. That seemed to work out pretty well. Right. So we, we can't, not everything can be, you know, kumbaya, roses, and, and candies. Well, think about, I mean, your, your best friends that you have, and I'm not saying DA and Monty you can't necessarily have like best friend relationship, right? But your best friends that you have, you can say stuff to that you know is going to, you, you can get mad at your best friends because you know the next day you'll be fine. Or right. 10 minutes later, you'll be fine. You don't hold back with your best friends. And, and ideally, they would get to more of that point with DA. I just, if I'm being honest, I would feel a lot better if that was Monty Williams and Mikel Bridges getting into it last night. Or even Monty Williams and Devin Booker because there has not been any like, there hasn't been the blow up at the end of game seven and then Monty saying it's internal or the, the offseason stuff or then D.A. coming up and saying me and Monty don't talk. You know, like it's these little things that are like by themselves are nothing. But if he gets traded this offseason, we're going to point back and be like, OK, maybe they just couldn't make it work out. You know, and maybe there were signs. But I hear what you're saying and I'm still kind of hoping that it's that. Although I know I just said last segment, you can't, you you can't, can't build a win on hope. But, but I'm hoping it's that. I'd like that. to offer a retraction for that previous statement. Uh, Alright, when we come back, which NFL teams are contenders and which ones are pretenders heading into week 16? We'll discuss that next. It's Wolf and Luke. Kevin Ray in for Wolf on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke Middays, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. You hear the uh, NFL Films music. We're going to go around the league right now. Maloney's going to step in and mediate because K-Ray's here and you know this could get out of control. So uh, K-Ray's in for Wolf and uh, Maloney's going to give us some teams, ask us some questions in terms of who is a pretender and who's a contender in the NFL heading into week 16. Well, at least Wolf's not here. He would be like, well, I can't do a prediction. So much could happen in three weeks now. <laughs> he would say so. every team's a contender. Yes, true. So we're going to start just for you, K-Ray. <laughs> I knew that. <laughs> the Cowboys are postseason pretenders. All right, I'm going to let you go first. This is <laughs> oh, thank you, Luke. I defer. <laughs> I defer. Uh, look, I mean, yeah, I, I do their games, but uh, as we saw last weekend in Jacksonville, Cowboys are going to cowboy. Uh, I, you said I, it first. I, until proven... Otherwise, I, what do you I'm, need to see for you to think that they're a contender? Playoff wins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, multiple playoff wins. Uh, th- this defense looking, I mean, like elite. One week, you know, you're going back and forth between who's the best defense, the Niners or the Cowboys. They look elite one week, and the next week, you know, Jacksonville hadn't rushed for over 100 yards in like seven weeks, and they put up nearly 200 on them. Um, 
And and part of it is like their lack of gap integrity. Oh, now you sound like wolf. Everybody, well, you know, I thought <laughs> even though I don't have the hat of the glasses, I, I didn't want to disappoint. But they're they're so anxious to everybody get to the quarterback that they're just losing all defensive responsibility, and it's it's killed them in three of their games. So yeah, until they get that short up, they're a pretender. You may have just swayed my vote. I had the the Cowboys as like a, a fringy contender, although I will say this: I, I have. They they started to win me over with their defense because yeah. they always have an offense. And when you have Micah Parsons, you have that defense. I, I started at one point the season to buy in to like, okay, this is a team that, that could win multiple playoff games. I don't think they're winning the Super Bowl. Could win multiple playoff games. But the loss last week, and honestly, should have lost to Houston probably the week before. I mean, that was way too close against the Texans. Um, I'm with you in the sense that I got to see them winning in the playoffs. And I have this working theory that they're going to play Brady in the first round. And if you get near Brady, in that playoff game, it will be passing over. You are a roughing the passer. You're going to get called for roughing the passer for just being in the stadium, Gary. Okay, right? Yeah. And look, they, th- these are not two household names, but two huge losses for their defense, and it's been exposed the last three weeks. Jordan Lewis and Anthony Brown. They've been going after Kelvin Joseph, who was a second-round pick last year. Cowboys have made great draft choices the last two seasons. They missed on him, and he, he and they are paying for it. Mm-hmm. The Minnesota Vikings are postseason pretenders. I'll go first on this one. Pretenders. <laughs> pretenders. Okay. And, and look, I got a, a lot of friends that are Vikings fans, long-suffering Vikings fans. I mean, they really, them winning the Super Bowl would be a similar story to the Bills winning the Super Bowl. Two long-suffering fan bases. But... The Bills are a lot more likable, they though. They really are. And, and like, Vikings fans, after they were all writing their team off when they were down 33 nothing to the Colts, as were the rest of us, and then after the game, they were acting like they won the Super Bowl. Congratulations, you beat the Colts. But I think what it really is, I got to the heart of this actually earlier in this show, K-Ray, I'm actively rooting against the Vikings because I keep seeing clips of Adam Schefter dancing around shirtless with the gold chains, and that is Kirk Cousins' fault that that happened. <laughs> so you can't win the Super Bowl when you put us all through that. Yeah, you know, at halftime, they were all like, skull, skull. <laughs> and then the fourth quarter, like, skull. Uh, it's just, I, I don't, I can't, I can't believe it. If they win the Super Bowl, I will admit on the air I was wrong over and over again. Yeah, it, I, I'll use your, your term, fringy contender. I think they'll win a playoff game. Because they will, they will host a playoff game yeah. as a division winner. Uh, but, as I said, the... Cowboys going to Cowboy. Um, and, and you look at Kirk Cousins' numbers over the last five years. He's been one of the top passing quarterbacks. But he's always got that one or two bad interception that's just waiting to happen. Usually at the worst possible at time. At the worst possible time. Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll call them a fringy contender. I think if you're if they're going to play the Giants in the first round, even that actually might be tough. But <laughs> I, I think they'll beat the Giants or the Commanders or the Seahawks or whoever in the first round, but they're not going past that. Yeah. The Miami Dolphins are postseason contenders. Um... I believed in them a lot more until the last couple weeks, I'll be honest. Uh, I'll still say contenders in the sense that they are definitely a playoff team that could do damage in the first round. They're one of those like next-tier teams in the AFC that could take out somebody really good, but they're not coming out of the AFC. Yeah, we, we were talking about Cincinnati like mucking things up and, yeah. and spoiling somebody, whether it be Buffalo or Kansas City. I can see Miami doing the same thing. So I, I, I will call them a... Uh, 
a light contender. They did a much better job on Saturday night in Buffalo than I thought they were. Yeah, and that, that to me, uh, speaks well. And I think for them, was a huge boost mentally because you know, like, if they would, they're, they're going to have to wind up most likely in a cold weather destination. Yeah. And Miami's uh, weather is a lot different than Orchard Park, so. <laughs> Just a little bit. The they have lost three in a row, though. Angeles Chargers are postseason contenders. I think they are a playoff team and probably nothing more. And and I'm not even sure if they're actually in right now. I I don't understand how that team is not just a lock to make the playoffs every year with Justin Herbert. And I will say this. If you are a Cardinals fan that wants Sean Payton, you need the Chargers to make the playoffs. Because if I'm Sean Payton and there's two head coaching jobs open, there's going to be more than that. But I'm looking at the Cardinals or the Chargers, I'm probably taking the Chargers. Yeah. So you need the Chargers to make the playoffs. They're the sixth seed right now. I think they're a playoff team. I think that their first round game is it's going to be typical Chargers. They're going to fall way behind in the first half. They're going to make it real interesting in the second half and lose by three. Yeah, I, I coming into the season, I had the Chargers as that Cincinnati team to a lesser degree. I mean, we, we, we Herbert is a more known product than than Joe Burrow was at the start of last season, but injuries just wrecked their season. But to me, that coaching staff has helped keep their season not fully on track. Uh, I think they are they, they if they get in they'll win a playoff game um, but I think their coach slash coaching staff will hold them back and you are spot on in terms of like places that are attractive yeah. for numerous reasons. <laughs> yeah, that's true. For a billion reasons, yes, the Chargers um, they'd play the Bengals in the playoffs right now if the season started, postseason started today. The New York Giants are postseason pretenders. Yeah, I'll say pretender. I, I don't. I just don't buy it. I mean, I give them a ton of credit. They're eight five and one. They will probably make the playoffs. I don't see them doing anything in the playoffs. They're a beat up team. They don't really even at the start of the season. I, I, who do they have on offense? I mean, I've watched fourteen. We're fourteen weeks in. I've watched a decent amount of Giants football, and I still think, who do they have on offense yeah. other than Saquon? They are proof that coaching, good coaching, really does matter. Uh, organizational structure. Uh, I thought it was interesting. Their own Amara said before the season in regards to Daniel Jones, we've done everything we can to screw this kid up. Like five offensive coordinators, you know, six head coaches for Daniel Jones. Uh, they they are probably a year ahead of schedule. Uh, they're going to have a fair amount of cap space going into next season. So, pretender, but uh, a, a nice response for Brian Dayball in his first season. If Brian Dayball was coaching the Chargers, that would be interesting. Because yeah. we just talked about two teams. One seems to have the players. The other one seems to have the coaching. Right. The Detroit Lions are postseason contenders. I hope they get in. I really do. They're Right now, they're Agreed. half game behind the Commanders. They're tied with Seattle, but Seattle has the tiebreaker. But the Commanders are in the seventh spot of those three teams. I would much rather see Detroit. I don't think they're going to do anything if they make the playoffs. And there's still plenty of time for them to just flat out miss the playoffs. But that would be... I'm not like adopting them as my new team. Let's not get crazy here. But down the stretch here, I'm pretty sure the Cardinals aren't going to make the playoffs. So we have to find some other teams to kind of emotionally invest in. I want to see what the Lions do. Taking names and biting kneecaps, baby. Uh, I'll say this. They are going to be a scary out if they get in. Because that offense... 
They might win a playoff game. I won't call them a contender, but might win a playoff game. This is what I want right now, okay? They are... <laughs> I haven't asked anything of the NFL this season. Uh, that's probably not true. If they could get in, if they could catch the Commanders, they're a half game back. Right now, they would play Minnesota in the first round. That's a fun football game. Give me the Lions. That is, <laughs> I bet the Lions would like somehow be favored because Vegas, you think we don't respect the Vikings. Vegas doesn't respect the Vikings no. at all. Uh, all right. Thank you for that, Aaron. When we uh, we come back, and, and that was... I, I'm glad we did that, actually. It was a good exercise to kind of figure out like who's legit in these playoffs or not. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. All right, when we come back, if the Cardinals do move on from Cliff Kingsbury, how would this job rank among others that could be available in just a couple weeks? It's Wolf and Luke, Kevin Ray, in for Wolf on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Welcome back to the show. It is Wolf and Luke. Kevin Ray in for Wolf here on this Wednesday morning. Max Stark's going to join us in a little bit uh, for Maximum Football next hour. Right now, though, looking at the uh, the Cardinals. And and I think <laughs> I think really just because of, of where this season has gone, Kay, the only way to look about to look at the Cardinals or talk about the Cardinals is to go big picture. You know, we'll get more into the game against Tampa tomorrow a little bit. But really, if you're a fan, do you care about beating? Tampa, or do you care about what you're going to do this offseason? Right. So, as far as what they're going to do this offseason, there's going to be coaching vacancies. We don't know if the Cardinals are going to have one of them. We, you know, this is this has been even in the last week. You hear those reports that Steve Kime won't be coming back. That hasn't happened yet, but you hear the reports that that's probably not going to happen. Does that make it? More likely that Michael Bidwell just says, you know what, this is awful and I want to win and I'm just going to clean house and we're going to start over. Or does it make it more likely that he says, look, I made a change. I don't need to change the coach. I changed the GM. We're not going to know for a couple of weeks. But if you look at what they're doing going forward, if you just go down that path, if you let your mind wander to what if they do make a coaching change, everybody wants Sean Payton. I get it. And if you can get Sean Payton, you do it. But I don't. Let's not kid ourselves and say this is like the most attractive coaching job in the NFL because it isn't right now. It it just and you don't have to be more attractive than the top teams in the league. You just have to be more attractive than the other teams that let their coaches go. But we're talking about a guy like Sean Payton. There are teams that are going to be like kind of on on the border of the playoffs that might be willing to let their coach go for Sean Payton. You know, right? Yeah, and and what's going to be interesting and going back to the GM position, you know, if you're if you, if you're hiring general managers, and I know that there are a couple of uh, solid qualified candidates in house, um, starting with Adrian Wilson, but how much of a voice are they going to have in yeah. the coach? Is this like, okay, just want to make things clear, this guy, th- this decision is off the table, so we start here. Um, and does that get guys to go, I'm going to take a pass on the on the interview then? Probably gets a couple. I mean, it depends. It, it depends how, 
how high you're looking, how high you have the bar set for some of these jobs. Um, this is Carson Palmer again on the 33rd team talking about this uh, upcoming offseason for the Cardinals. I don't know. I mean, you, you look at they just re-signed uh, Steve. They just re-signed Coach yeah. uh, Kingsbury. Kyler's coming back. I mean, I, I know I know every job in, in the NFL is, is attractive, but that's not that attractive of a job right now. You know, they, they've been recycling coaches every couple of years. Um, I, I'd be shocked if they if they cleaned house, but um, you know, it's 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 not looking great, obviously, with Kyler's situation as well. Yeah, I mean, the Kyler thing, that obviously doesn't help because that was the great equalizer. If you, And I'm just using Sean Payton as the bar because he's the clear big name for any coach that, that you would be able to go out and get this offseason. If you're Sean Payton, you're looking at saying, boy, things have been kind of dysfunctional this year and kind of being an understatement. And, and they have, you know, it's how attractive is this job? But then you look at Kyler Murray. If you're Sean Payton, you might say, I can win with that guy. They're not using him right. They're, they haven't gotten everything out of him. I can do that. You know, obviously Sean Payton's going to feel that way or not feel that way specifically about Kyler Murray, but he's going to feel confident he can do it with one of these quarterbacks. But now that he's hurt too, it's like it's another complicating factor on this. And I don't think if if Sean Payton's going to sign a five year deal and, and he looks and says I might not have Kyler for the first four games of those five years, that's going to be like that's going to be the deciding factor. But. To a certain extent, Carson Palmer's right. You know, if you stack up the teams that are going to need coaches in three or four weeks, I don't think the Cardinals are at the top of the list. Well, and, and look, be, beyond, you know, let, let's say he misses the first four games. Um, in my view, you're not going to have, like, the version of Kyler Murray that everybody knows for two years. And my point being, yeah, what, what yeah. was what was his, one of his greatest attributes? The his, escapability. Yeah, his, and that's the thing we always get. Like, well, he doesn't you run. Look, it's looking not, at it that, doesn't matter. He can escape. Looking at that that game against the Raiders in particular, he ran like eighty yards to score. Uh, I think it was like a fifteen yard touchdown run. Yeah. How how many tackles, potential sacks, did he avoid in that in that play? And I'll use Dak Prescott as an example, coming off of his leg injury two years ago. Dak rarely, rarely looked to run last season. It was just like last resort, and I'm gonna I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get the three yards that we need, and I'm not looking to get anything get beyond that. And that's just the mental. We were talking about rehabs and, and injuries. So you're going to have a Kyler Murray, and it's just human nature. This is not directed at Kyler Murray. This is just like any athlete, but especially a football player who's coming off an ACL injury. You're not just taking off and running the way you used to. Yeah. And in his situation, even more so because – and. and more often than not, ACLs are non-contact, but there wasn't anybody close to him. So if you're con- that's going to be one of the hurdles he is going to have to get over. So not only you're not going to, let's say, theoretically have him for four games, but in my view, based on just history of athletes who've had football players who've had knee injuries or NBA players who've had knee injuries, you're not whole for another full season. So you're not getting the version of Kyler Murray that signed that massive contract for two years. Until that contract kicks in. <laughs> I mean, you're not going to get him until he's a $51 million cap hit or whatever it ends up being. Um, and co- coaches can't and typically will not operate. You're not going to get, you know, a coach isn't going to get a Matt Rule contract here. 
Yeah. <laughs> you're not getting seven years ago. And go, even that okay, wasn't guaranteed. Next, yeah, for the next three years, you're good. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, it is, this conversation was already complicated two weeks ago, and then Kyler got hurt, and it was hurt that way. And you're right, mobility for Kyler Murray is a much bigger piece of the pie than when Joe Burrow had the injury a couple years ago. And Joe Burrow is, is the path you're hoping this goes down. There's that hope again, right? You're hoping it's, hey, Joe Burrow had the, uh, the ACL. I think he even had a little bit more than that uh, at the end of the 2020 season, came back 2021, led his team to the Super Bowl last year. I uh, didn't win it, but he, <laughs> we'll take it I mean, here in Arizona. But you're right. Joe Burrow doesn't have the mobility. He never, that was never a part of his game the way it is for Kyler Murray. And that's a very real thing. And I'm just trying to make a list of like teams that might need a coach when they, when they make changes here in a couple weeks, right? So you have Houston because they're always, they're always in that conversation. Denver, <laughs> certainly in that conversation. Uh, Indianapolis uh, is, is in that conversation, obviously. New Orleans, you could probably put there. Carolina, Let's see what they do because everybody was just kind of like, oh, okay, Steve Wilkes is going to take over the team for the rest of the season. What well, they might make the playoffs with Steve Wilkes. Not that they've been amazing, but right. you know, better than they were. And there may be another surprise team. Again, I'm, I'm looking at this through the scope of do you want, do you think you can get Sean Payton? There may be another team that's like, yeah, we missed the playoffs by a game. The Raiders. What if the Raiders missed the playoffs by a game? Now I know they just, they, they're locked in maybe to McDaniels, but there's going to be a team that's like, if it's Sean Payton, we'll just blow somebody out and get Sean Payton in here. So I'm just saying, everybody who's like, you got to fire Cliff because you're going to get Payton. You better have a backup plan because I don't think you're just automatically getting Peyton unless he really feels like he has ties to this organization from you know the yeah. Look, I'll I'll throw another team in there, and it it pains me to say this, and I know much much of this has been going on all season long. But if, and I still believe it's a big if um, because they have had a a good season, but if the Cowboys get to the playoffs and and get punked in the first round like they did at home by the Niners. Um, There's a lot of people that believe because Jerry Jones is like looking at his own mortality right now. I mean, he 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 recognizes how old he is. And he's, he's always been, run that team that way. He and, can be 28, he'd be running the team that way. And he's but he's been saying it a lot more openly this season than in the past. So yeah, no, I mean when when this off season started, everybody was just kind of like okay. It's a year of Mike McCarthy gets to coach, but that's where Sean Payton ultimately wants to go. He has ties to Dallas, too. It's not just like, yeah, we'll right. just throw him there. So you're 100% right. There's going to be some team like that that enters the mix that I don't know that the Cardinals can compete with. So you better have a second a second idea in mind if you're going to move on from your current head coach. Rock and Roll Hall of Famers, Red Hot Chili Peppers are heading to State Farm Stadium on May 14th with the Strokes. Tickets are on sale now, but you can win a pair of tickets by heading to the contest page on ArizonaSports.com. When we come back, how comfortable are are you with the Phoenix Suns' depth? We almost had to have it tested last night. We'll get into that next. It's Wolf and Luke. Kevin Ray in for Wolf on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, we got a pretty good uh, setup here to talk Phoenix Suns basketball right now. It's Wolf and Luke. Kevin Ray is in for Wolf today. And, okay, Ray, we got Eddie Johnson right now on the Arizona Sports Line joining us. So we've, we've reunited the two of you. I know you've been apart for like 12 hours, I'm sure. So this is just what EJ wants. Eddie, what's up? I'd rather have Wolf say the truth. <laughs> hey, Basinonians. You're working on it. You're getting there. I'd say I learned my okay, lesson. Work, work, work on your Wolf voice while we're talking. Today, right? <laughs> Eddie, I didn't ask you how you were doing today. Last time I asked you how you were doing, you're like, how do you think I'm doing after that game? So this time, after the game last night, I just asked you what's up. 
You know, look, I'm not shocked by anything this season. Just, just look at what we're seeing here. I mean, we're seeing teams get blown out. We're seeing a defending champion Cameron on the road. We're looking at a Western Conference that, you know, what, one game divides maybe seven teams. You know, if the Suns lost one more game, they can fall to the seventh spot. Uh, that's what we're seeing this year. And I think because of that, and Cambridge and I talk about it, teams are going to have to make deals. Uh, they're going to have to make deals to get an advantage because I don't think right now we can even guess or surmise who's going to come out of the West. It's just that close. And you know what? Parity is here, and I'm excited for it. I mean, over the years, we could just pencil in three or four teams that's going to get there for a period of time. We got really worn out with Cleveland and Golden State every year. And now we don't even know. I mean, the Eastern Conference is the same way. And I think that's beautiful basketball, and everyone has a chance. Yeah, you and I have uh, you know talked both on and off the air. It, it the 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 winners, the big winners of all this are the fans because on a nightly basis you can tune in and see some great players um, put together great performances. You know, a la last night with the Joker, the two time MVP, who's mm-hmm. playing like he wants a third consecutive MVP trophy. Uh, Denver routing Memphis uh, a week after Memphis had just punked the Milwaukee Bucks, who right now are the best team in the league. But it's it's changing on a you know about every third day. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's amazing, K Ray. It really is. And then obviously, you know, you're doing a radio show. I do a radio show, so we have to know about the league in general and talk about it. And so a lot of times we have to be partial, impartial, back and forth. But the bottom line is, yeah, the Suns are our favorite team. But I think we both really enjoy the fact that this is open-ended right now. <clears throat> and you got a lot of players, a lot of, a lot of teams with a lot of hopes. And the fans go to games now, and they can look forward to it. Although they got to deal with the fact that their favorite player might not play. And that's another issue that has to be straightened up. Yeah, But overall, you really have to like the way the league is set up right now and the competitive spirit of all the teams. You know, the, the bright spot, guys, uh, in last night's loss was the play of Landry Shamit because last night, and granted, you're not going to see Landry knock down nine threes every game, but you and I have had numerous conversations about Landry, uh, especially off the air, Eads. But you, you had a conversation with him last week where we were on the road. But last night was the first time since he's put on a son's uniform that I felt like he played freely because mm-hmm. Landry's biggest opponent, in my mind, has been him. Like, his mind. Like, he puts these limitations on himself when he steps on the floor. And last night, I felt like, for the most part, he didn't do that. But there was even two or three other times where he could have been more greedy and more selfish. Yeah, I mean, sometimes players, they try to search for perfection. And this is maybe how they were coached when they were young, how they really, I think, uh, accepted that that push to get better and they kind of include the word perfection they think they have to be perfect in everything that they do but life is imperfect perfect is a lie okay that's the biggest lie in the dictionary because nobody's perfect but what you can do is you can lean to the other side of 70 80 percent 
and know that you maybe you're gonna fail maybe thirty percent. And I think when players start to understand that, those are the ones that really stand out. Like he's watching one every night in Devin Booker. Like Devin doesn't care. Like Devin went what six for twenty two a few games ago, and what did he do after that? He had fifty eight. Yeah. He doesn't care. And I think Landry has to get Landry has to get to that point where he just doesn't care. And and that's what I said to him. I I didn't say anything to him that I wouldn't say to anybody that I didn't remind myself of when I played. It's like, yeah, you're only as good as your last game, and you can't worry about what people think because I always develop that. I'm like, look, when I leave, when I leave this life. I know K Ray's gonna miss me. Luke, he might miss me. I'll miss you. You know, but most people they're gonna miss me for about three days, <laughs> and they're gonna go on with their life. So why should I worry about what they think? No, I only worry about what the people close to me think and what I think as a person. And and having that mindset, you push yourself forward, man, through tough times, and you don't worry about people's feelings. You go for it. And that's what I told him. Just go for it, man. Like, just go for it. You can score. Like, don't worry about what people think. Don't worry about 0 for 5. Just go. And money is going to control what you do. If he doesn't like what you're doing out there, he'll take you out. And guess what? Live for the next game. Yeah. That's the mentality you have to have when you're coming off the bench, especially as a sixth man. You can't worry about that stuff because you don't borrow time. And I think Landry showed that last night. And I, I'm just feeling like he's going to stay with that, man. I think sometimes you have to be pushed. And, and I think a lot of people have been pushing him to be more aggressive. And I was just one that one of those hundreds that probably had that conversation with him. So I'm not taking credit for that. I was just a reminder of what people probably have been telling him consistently. Talking to Eddie Johnson, uh, Eddie, when you look at the depth of this team, and you mentioned Landry Shamit, I mean, Damian Lee's had some really good games. He was quiet last night. Bismack has made an impact. Dwayne Washington. How do you feel about the depth of this team through the, the, the lens of, of being a title contender? Look, we have enough, okay? Like, we have enough to be able to do it, but who wants to just go with just enough? You want to be greedy. Yeah. And I'm sure if an opportunity is out there, especially with the Jay Crowder situation, uh, that why not go out there and try to find somebody that's going to help this team even more? Oh, and then, you know, after the All-Star break, you're going to have, obviously, you know, the waiver situation. You're going to have buyouts of contracts. You have a lot of different things going on. You want to continually build, continually build your team because you want that chip. Like, you want what Golden State snuck up and got last year. And they did. And they took advantage of it and they got one. And maybe they're paying the price this year because they can't win a road game. They might not even make the playoffs based on how they're playing. But guess what? They got a chip last year. Guess what? The Lakers got a chip two years ago, even though they haven't you know, done anything the last two years. So that's what we want our team to be able to achieve, is to be able to get that success. And the only way to do it, you got to keep building yeah, and look, the I think as Monty addressed this just briefly last night, but the fact that the the ownership, and I know it still has to get approved, but the ownership um, kind of saga coming to a close brings clarity at a much-needed time for James Jones. Brings a lot of clarity. A uh, lot, of, lot of questions out there and, and hats off. You know, to Sovereign in that instance. Uh, he, just, he said he's going to sell the team. He did. 
He didn't drag it on through the whole course of this season, which he could have. Uh, I like what he said in his remarks about the new owner. Uh, and obviously he's excited. I mean, he's got four billion reasons to be very excited. Uh, but I think the fan base is very excited too, because I think we get some, you know, solidification now. You know, it's like it, we know, we know maybe where the direction is going. You know who the owner is going to possibly be. And, you know, and all those things with this franchise. Uh, look, this is Phoenix's baby. All due respect to all the other pro teams that's in Phoenix. Yep. The Suns are their baby, okay, and mm-hmm. always will be. And and they have emotions toward all of this. And so it's just good to just see this thing starting to just get to a point where, you know, it gets solidified. And, and, and obviously my thoughts is with the other minority owners with this team, uh, and, and they have no control over what happened and where they're going to end up, will they have a chance to still maybe be a small part? Uh, we just don't know. But right now we know it will be new ownership, and that's a good thing. Eddie, we appreciate the time as always, man. Thank you. Hey, you right, and, and, uh, uh, and DeAndre and Mikhail love each other. So people stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Me, me and K-Ray can argue all day long, okay? But we're brothers. We love each other. You have your differences. DeAndre and, and, and Mikhail had their differences. Last night, they were flustered. They went at it. Monty came into the middle of it to seize it because he was trying to work on the next play out of the huddle. It happens all the time. Right. So people stop. Good stuff, right. Eddie. Thank you, man. We have, a, have a great show with right. the water boy today, man. Oh, yeah, we will do. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so See you, brother. That's uh, Eddie Johnson joining us on the Arizona Sports Line. Yeah, look, the the DeAndre McHale, I don't – do people really think they have an issue? Is that – I mean, I guess – Well, I, I guess, and look, that, that's part of it. it. It really, I think, did get started between, between those two. Yeah. But because Monty got involved, yeah. like, oh, see? There well, they go again. Because you look at Monty and you're like, it's like – that's like you got in trouble with Dad. Like, DeAndre McHale, come on. First of all, I'm trying Andy, to run a huddle here, man. Does anybody have a problem with Mikel Bridges? If you told me, like, oh, you know who the problem on the Suns is behind the scenes, Mikel Bridges, <laughs> yeah, I, right. it would be the most shocking turn of events in sports history if Mikel was, was That boy wakes up with a huge smile on Seriously. his face every morning. Uh, all right, thanks to Eddie there. Coming up next, we're going to take you through the top stories of the day with Wolf and Down Your Lunch. It's Wolf and Luke, uh, Kevin Ray in for Wolf on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.